The Korean Football Club podcast is kindly sponsored by The Lodge Hotel, famous for food, functions and fantastic value. Hi, welcome along once again to the Korean FC podcast with myself and Jonathan McNabb uh, recording live in Korean on a beautiful summer autumnal uh, morning here in Korean. Uh, first of all, before we start, a big thank you as ever to our sponsors, our very kind sponsors, the Lodge Hotel in Korean. Um, and if you haven't tried it before and, and you do want your, your morning fix, your, your, your coffee fix, as it were, check out the Lodge Hotel's coffee bar. Um, it's a relaxing, welcoming spot to catch up with friends and enjoy a cup of uh, a bit of a scone or whatever else takes your fancy. So it's open from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. each morning or each day. Free car, car parking on side and a warm welcome uh, guaranteed as well. So check it out. Um, so as I said, Jonathan uh, McNabb and myself are in the hot seat today doing the podcast and Johnny I seen you put something up this week uh on social media that this is in fact our 100th episode of the podcast now I don't know about you but that's hard to believe it is and we were playing with the idea for a few years and then we finally done it and and then it's been getting a few people to speak and obviously we, we've had Aaron and, and Stevie doing it and ourselves and then all the guests as well so no, listen, it's just mad. We've got the 100 uh, when, you, when you think about it. Um, who knows what the next even 50 brings, never mind 100. So, um, yeah, it's some achievement. Um, obviously, we, we don't record for about eight or nine weeks of season with, with, with holidays and, and the summer and, and pre-season and all. So, yeah, so to get to 50, uh, pretty mad. And we've had a fair, we've had a couple of good sponsors as well, which has helped and, and fans listening and there's a core, there's a core amount of fans that will still always miss me asking when the podcast is coming out. So that's always nice as well. So, um, yeah, think of the think of the seals we've given Eurofan for all the sore heads we've given them. <laughs> over them as well. so, but they are duty, they're due to give us a bonus. Um, but no, it's been yeah. really good. Um, a hundred episodes breaking that down. That's I don't know what three seasons. I mean, you could probably tell me. I don't even know. I can't remember when we started. Yeah, it was probably midway through the season before last. So would that be 21-22 and then 22-23 and then 23-24, the one we're currently in. So yeah, um, there's a lot's happened um, obviously in that time. And there's been highs, there's been lows and there's been some absolute brilliant guests we've had on. And I'm sure we'll, we'll probably maybe discuss that as well. And you know, I was thinking about this yesterday and the pod, you know, Roy Patterson probably probably wouldn't have had the most favourable opinion on him when his time on the pitch, but I remember the podcast we've done with him. It was probably one of the best ones we've done. And yeah, he just learned different stories and Graham Filsey's stories was, was always good. And um, you know, I could listen to we could list them all and Carsey on and Boise and guys like that. So no, listen, it's been it's been it's been really good. It has, uh, as you say, listening to the guys. And to be fair, you know, when we do approach somebody to come on, um, they always are very, very obliging. Um, and it is good. Like, we've had a mix of former players. We've had a mix of administrators, current players. We've had a current Northern Ireland International not so long ago, Brad Lyons. And Brad's probably one of 
a handful of returning guests. We've had him on a, a few times, but rightly so. He, he, he's a good lad and his career and everything is, is, is going one way. It's great to see. Yeah, and obviously I can't argue with, with any of that. And, and yeah, look, sometimes you you might be scrambling for a guest and you're sitting there thinking, who are we going to get on and things like that. And yeah, we must be nearly running out of them. The ink's getting dry. So, um, <laughs> oh, listen, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a few good ones lined up uh, between now and, and the end of the season. And I have a few lists written down of guys I'd like to get on. And, and yeah, look, I think also the other thing is that we have to thank them for their time as well, the guys that come on. And, you know, it's an hour that some of them, you know, might have busy family lives or working lives or, you know, just or just other things they do rather than, than looking listen to, to to me and you. So um yeah, look, I think it's been I think it's been a really good output for, for the media team and, and yeah, long hopefully we can we can record for, for, for as long as possible. Yeah, and we had Big Skinner on there, was it last week as well? And he, he um he as well as the soccer commitments, he obviously has a hand in the Gaelic and of course then he was talking about Sunday and his club Glenullen playing in the in the dairy final and for an update for anybody that maybe doesn't follow the Gaelic so closely, uh, his team did win the uh, the dairy final and I think this being middle of the week, I think he may just have stopped celebrating now. I'm not I'm not quite sure that the Monday club may have went into Tuesday and Wednesday, so I mean but uh you know, Skinner was a good one too, like 39 years of age. And you could tell from the chat that we had with him, you know, his enthusiasm for sport in general and just what it brings and what, what it means to people um, is, is, is as clear as ever, isn't it? Uh, it is. And he spoke really, really well and passionately. And, and I thought honestly as well, you know, a lot of guys can come on and tell you everything that you want to hear and think it because it's the, the Korean podcast, they have to big everything up. But I thought he spoke really, really honestly as well. And, you know, and he spoke about maybe about taking up football, you know, or soccer, probably late. But, you know, he definitely made up for lost time. He won a couple of Irish Cups and I think there's a League Cup in there and played in Europe and title races and everyone else. So, yeah, look, he still loves to do it in the Gaelic pitch as well. And I've seen his video with Mickey Hart um, ringing him and stuff. And, it's <laughs> and I and I say this, and I, and I say this to Skidder as well, obviously, on the podcast, that I think maybe characters are maybe drying up in the Irish League and maybe in sport as well. And I think I think maybe social media maybe has a part of playing that too. And people maybe just can't do as much as they, as they used to be able to do. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's great. Skidder's obviously uh, poured it down and... You know, if he can get poured down back to the Premiership, where let's be honest, where where they belong, really, I'm sure that'll be another milestone in in his career. Yeah, and one of the other things that I picked up from the podcast and the chat that we had with Skinner as well was about you know the sense of enjoyment in sport and and particularly in team sport as well. Um, he talked about the the Korean team that he was in that that era where they, they, they worked hard, but they also played hard. And and he has that sense of fun still within the game. You can see he plays it and he, he's off the cuff. He's a little bit unorthodox at times. But when it comes to on the pitch and that, he's one of those players that would have given you everything and then he would have enjoyed it afterwards. And it's like you say, characters have gone out of the game. And probably as well, you look at it sometimes and, maybe even the Irish League, but certainly across the water uh, in sport and football particularly. And it does appear a lot of the fun has gone out of it. I mean, I don't want to keep like hammering you and Man United, but I watched some of the Man United game last night and you watched those players, the Man United players, and 
there's no joy there. There's no f- sense of fun. It just looks like a real chore. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all agree that sport, yes, but it's something that's there to be enjoyed. It's, it's meant to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, and, and like, we not that we laugh, but like Oren is, whenever he signs a player, always speaks about how important it is for the changing room and they won't sign anyone that disrupts that. And could you imagine a changing room with winners like Doogie and, and characters like Parky and Skinner and stuff like that? So they obviously just moulded into such a good team who fought for each other. And there's no egos in that Korean team, I don't think. Whereas you look at football probably in general and across the water and the United, it's, United's probably more egos than, than a team. And, and yeah, they're, they're struggling. Um, and Roy Keane, I watched a video there on social media. Roy Keane said five, four or five years ago that the squad and stuff at, at Man United will get managers sacked. And sure, we've been through about four or five since then. So, um, yeah, I think I think characters and stuff are probably there's probably just not as many, um, in the league as there probably was whenever I was growing up. Obviously, you know, you've got Vinny Arkins and Gary Hamilton and and different guys like that. So Mickey Collins and players like that, you know, so. Uh, and the big boy was it Chris Walker with the long hair at the glens? Yeah, um, guys yeah, like that. that so, that weasel yeah. so, like. aye, so guys like that. Um, but maybe it's just a generational thing, Damien. And uh, mm. it's just, it's just how it well, is. maybe it is. Maybe the younger ones they see people as characters, perhaps. I mean, yeah. Corian had them as well. I mean, I, I remember growing up and Vincent McGee was the goalkeeper for Corian way back, you know, before your time, probably. And he just looked like. <sighs> Uh, you know, big long hair, the big bushy beard. He was about over six foot. He looked like a big mountain man that had just come down off the mountain to, to play goals. And you had him. You had plenty of others and, and characters. They made Packy as well. Davy O'Hare, who was a real character in goals for Korean for a period as well. But I suppose, like you said, it's a generational thing. And every generation will have their own characters. I'm sure the, the younger supporters around the showgrounds probably look and have their own people that they see as characters and, and maybe we don't as much. Uh, so it, it is um, a subjective thing and a generational thing as well, isn't it, Johnny? Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're probably more closer to the players because of the work and relationship we have with them. Um, whereas, you know, you do see youngsters on a Saturday and they're getting their high fives with Lyndon Keane or getting something signed by Garth Dean and it is like they're meeting their sort of heroes that sort of way. So, yeah, probably our perspective um, is, is totally different. And, and yeah, it's all probably up to, up to people's own probably opinions and stuff about characters and heroes and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's all, it's all subjective, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I say, 100 hundred podcasts is, is not bad. If you had a, a choice, if you had money was no object, Johnny, who would you who would you have on your podcast? Um, I would probably, to me, because I feel like an encyclopedia with Corey in my lifetime. So I feel like I, not that I know everyone, but I feel like I'm, I would know most things, if that makes sense. So I always like getting players from maybe like the 90s and 80s on. Like I would love Michael when they want. I think he would be brilliant. Obviously, his time at Corey and just his career in general would be would be really good. Um, Somebody absolutely daft, like a Kyle Laverty or somebody who's played with Brad and maybe played with a few guys who used to play with Corey and would be maybe funny. Um, Dean Shields, I think, would be interesting in terms of his playing career and warming up with the players and, and obviously how Orange getting on and, and Kenny and, and guys like that. So, listen, he could, you know, he could be here forever. The guys, Leon Knight would be funny. You know, it was just, and then you know, early, you know, my early, early two thousands, you've guys like Noel Anderson who played, you, you know, Ian McCush, Stephen Beatty, guy, all got, you know, it was no list of, no list of guys and Davy O'Hare and 
and boys like that. So, no, listen, there's there's loads. There, there is loads. Um, but I've had the plump throw. I'm probably might go to Lidl early on night. Yeah, I think that would, that would that would be a good one. Both very contrasting people. Obviously, Mike on cool, calm, collected, keeps things close, and Leon Knight would probably would probably get us off the airwaves. To be honest, <laughs> I would say we'd have to have our legal team uh, stand <laughs> on, on standby. Need to get a legal team first of all, and then put them <laughs> on standby. I mean, you talk about characters in the game not being there anymore, and Leon Knight. He was that and more. I remember, I remember the first night he even came to training, and the word was going around that Leon Knight, who played in England, they played at a good standard, um, was coming to the club, and he came to training that night. We all stood and watched at training, and you could just see straight away that the, the quality he had and and the talent that he had. But as much as that, he just. He had a. It just did something else about him, didn't he? He obviously coming from England. He was a bit of a, a, a geezer, like you know. But but what a character! And for the short period of time that he was here, he really did brighten the place up, like didn't he? Pardon the yeah. pun. Yeah, and like you don't, you know, you don't play for the stature of clubs that he played for, and I think he started at Chelsea, didn't he? And was it like mm. and. I think it was a Huddersfield or something like that. So you don't play for them type of clubs if, if you don't have a bit of ability. And, and yeah, I suppose ball control was for sorts of small framed guy, I suppose, where height-wise um, was unbelievable. And obviously he was well-built, well at himself. He was like a bit like a Jermaine Defoe, I think. He was subset, subs, I can't say the word. Um, he was so good with close ball control. And he was he was like, he was like a like a shithouse, if that makes sense, just in terms uh, I know, of size. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just in terms of size. Um, like you wouldn't lump the ball up them, but if you if you were to hit the ball up them, you wouldn't be surprised if he was able to control the ball, and let you know, shape off his marker if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, he was he was he had a football and brain, so he did. He might not have had a maybe might maybe off the pitch, maybe a bit um a brain, like, <laughs> nah, being cruel to him, but on the pitch, what a player! And he scored. I, mean, I remember his overhead kick. He scored against um, Limfield, was it? The showgrounds one year, and I remember he scored. He scored. He always seemed to score against Donegal Celtic as well, and. Then he he he, he wound the Cliftonville fans up, and then the up Johnny Black got punched. Um, so oh, right. things like that, you know, like it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, he was he was a great footballer, and I think if you already speak to him, I think he probably regrets moving to England to Warren at that stage. Um, and then obviously sure he came back, didn't he? So, uh, but yeah, that's that's football, and and yeah, that's that's just how things go. There's been some players through the doors, even in the time that we've been doing the podcast as well. There, there's been some. Ins and outs, and, and as you say, that's football, isn't it? You know, players come, players go. It's it's a never-ending <laughs> cycle, isn't it? It's yeah, and like my phone book seems to get longer and longer with the players <laughs> that come in and come out, and and yeah, I, th- I think the main thing is that you know there's there's always seems to be you know a, a good respect there when, when players do go and they realise probably that their time is up and, and they can play elsewhere and. And yeah, look, I think I think that's going to only increase now if if the funding or the investment goes through. I think and the club goes full time, and I'm sure not every single player in the first team squad can go full time. So, so what do you do in that scenario? So, yeah, look, I think we're and I've said this in the podcast now for the last like three four months. It's just we're at a crossroads here now, and yeah, um, it's just you know it's up to people with 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 more brains than us to to come up with things and and see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned. You know the the, the specter, if you like, of the full time, the investment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you mentioned like that crossroads. Do you feel, Johnny, that 
the shadow of, of this full-time football and the investment, etc., and what it might involve or might entail down the line. Do you think that is having an impact on the football or, or the results or the players at this moment in time? Uh, no, no, Damien. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, to be honest, because I think the players have a, have a pride there as well. You know, they don't want to you know, seem to be you know, thinking about... They can't think too far ahead. Um, no players can probably think too far ahead. Um, Pep Guardiola was perfect at it last year where... Um, they were chatting about the trebles, yet they still had like an FA Cup final. I think was they play against United. So I don't, I know that's totally different um, standard of football, and obviously they were at the top of their game last year. But I, I don't think so. I don't think the players would be allowed to. Um, I'm sure the players have had questions about it, and you know, I'm sure a few of them are thinking, "Can I go full time?" But I, th- I don't think when they cross over that white line, that's what they're that's what they're thinking about. To to be, to be perfectly honest with you, I uh, no, it's interesting because again not wanting to dwell on Man United too much but there's always that talk and it's more so at the moment about the Glazers and about them their ownership of the of the club and about them selling the club and I've heard recent times even I think last night on the radio they were talking about it and they were the, the commentators pundits call them what you like were discussing how much of an impact that would have on the players on the pitch, say all the talk about takeovers and the Glazers, etc. And pretty much they, they, they kind of agreed with what you said, Johnny, that when the players go out onto the pitch and, and cross the white line, they're not thinking about what's happening in the boardroom or behind the scenes or ownership or anything of that nature. When they cross the white line, it's just still a game of football at the end of the day. And as you say, it's different levels. Okay, England and the United and City are different levels from Korean. But you have to, and and you like to think that when the players for Korean go out onto a pitch on a Saturday or whatever it is, they're not thinking about down the line professionalism or full-time next year. I mean, their focus really should be just on that 90 minutes, shouldn't it? Yeah, like you know, the the Korean players, um, their job is they is they is is on the pitch and leave everyone else the the board and, and everyone else off the pitch. They they sort all that, and the players probably know that if they perform on the pitch, they'll be a part of the plans, obviously moving ahead and, and everyone else. So no, yeah, I, th- I think I, I, I agree, Damien, with with, with with what you're saying there. Um, it is it is difficult, like because we're all human and you just sometimes it's, it's hard to focus on it. Um, just thinking if the club and when the club goes full-time, Johnny, do we do we go full-time on the podcast then? Is that the way it works? Uh, maybe, Damien. Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably not, to be honest. Um, there's just something nice about having a Zoom call with you and seeing you and <laughs> seeing all your books and your lead scarf in the background and stuff like that. And my big bald head, I'm sure, too. You would be not seeing that, so... Um, but ach, listen, I think if we go full time, we've probably a wee bit easier access to, to players, and players will probably a wee bit more time to, to do a wee bit more stuff. So, um, yeah, this listen, yes, I say this that like me and my dad were having this conversation all day about going going full time and the players, and I guess it's one that you just can't answer it because you just don't know. You know, it's just so many on the, like what does what does August like? What does the first game of next season look like? Nobody knows. You know, it's just you know like. What does the team look like? Are the Korean players full time by then? You know, it's just 
it's like what, it's you know there's a thousand and one things questions and and stuff that that we just don't obviously have the answer and I'm sure other people at the club don't have the answer to you either. It, it is it, it is strange, isn't it? Because as you say, it's hard to envisage what it's going to look like, and to me, I can't imagine it just flipping within the course of like two months in the summer of next year. I can't imagine it just flipping from what it is now to a fully fledged full-time professional club. I, I just don't see it happening in such a quick space of time. So to me, it's probably going to take longer and it's going to take, there's going to be like building blocks have to be put in place. You can't just flip from being a part-time team to a full-time team and just carry on as if nothing has happened. There's bound to be a, a period of time and, and it's, like a teething period almost as well to try and work out how the thing works because it obviously entails a lot of money as well. You can't just go from a part-time to start playing, paying a range of full-time salaries. That's going to take a, a big sum of money and that has to continue for however long. That's it's, it's quite quite a jump, isn't it? Yeah, I think probably, I think measures might be taking place in, in January, I would say maybe towards the end of this season, if, if obviously investment goes through, and yeah, like, you look how long it took Lauren really to get going, and, and Linfield as well, and all my other teams, so it's not just going to be oh, we're full-time August the 1st 2024, and suddenly we're going to be world beaters, it just takes time, and probably takes time for everyone to adapt, I think, as well, so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of them things, and but I think which helps as well is that, you know, Warren's been a full-time manager in Scotland. He's contacts there, he's people that will be able to help him and he'll have his own expertise in certain things as well. So um, it's not as if we're going completely into the unknown. Um, Lee Lynch has been a full-time footballer, David McDade, Graham Kelly, Connor McKendry. Um, you've you guys, you know, there's probably guys that I'm, I'm missing out here. Um, you've guys who've played over the water like Garth Dean was at QPR and Stevie O'Donnell as well. So... Um, if guys there who have been full time footballers, and, and I'm sure that they'll be they'll be helping out as well. Mm, just it, it, it's weird to think about it, isn't it? But on the other side of the coin, the way that the league is going, we've talked about it on the podcast before. The way that the league is going, there's a certain sense of inevitability about it that if you want to try and keep pace with the, the leading, so-called leading clubs in the league, you almost have to go down that road now. Well, not so much whether you like it or not, but it is, <clears throat> you can see within the league a sort of disparity between the, the haves and the have-nots, for want of a better description. And if you do want to keep pace with them, you almost have to go that way, don't you? Yeah, like I've, I've said, like, how Korean have done so well, probably... Um... Up until now, um, they've been competitive in the games, but I think that it's just as I said earlier that crossroads that yeah, either do you take you know being where you are now, or do you you know or do you go for investment and try and catch up with these teams? And I think you have to go for the investment, provided that the security of the of the club is safe and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, that's that's my own take on it. Um, I think Oren and I think Oren probably deserves to have a good rattle at, it, at a full time basis with Korean as well. So, um. Yeah, look, like I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Korean can do with it as well. 
um, and see, you know, it'd be weird, you know, going by the showgrounds at maybe at 10 o'clock in the morning, seeing full guy out training. It'll just be like the whole club will just, it'll be very weird, probably like just certain aspects of things being different. Um, but you just get used to it, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be brilliant if if if, if, if it all happens. Mm. Hard to hard to imagine at this moment in time, as you say. But you you mentioned Owen as well, and to be fair, a couple of poor results or indifferent results there, and it has come under a bit of pressure from a, a number of fans or a section of fans as well. But as you say, perhaps given what he has achieved or at the club, etc. He does get, does deserve a chance to have a, a crack at the full-time thing if, if that's his option or if that's what he wants, you know, when it comes around next year. Um, I think he has earned maybe that right to, 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 to have a clip at the full-time setup. Yeah, he definitely has, in my opinion, yeah. Um, you know, you think of the progress the club has made both on and off the pitch on their orange tenure with, with being a part-time club. So, um, you know, he's been a full-time manager in, in Scotland, so knows the club inside out. So why not um give it that let him give it a rattle? And look, I can't speak for Orn. Orn's got a really good job as well. Um outside of football, he's, he's a teacher, so uh, I'm sure his head's been spinning around about certain things to, to do with that. And look, it's Orn's a Orn's a clever man, far smarter than me, and I'll let him make his own decision, obviously. Uh, but um yeah, I think as a Korean supporter, in my own opinion, I think he deserves a rattle at it. Um, for him that he's done for the, for the club, and you know, if, if them results recently, there's nobody probably more frustrated and angry than Orn. So, I think people might forget about that as well. You know, um, you know, he's a manager of the team; he takes pride in the team and and stuff like that. So, um, no, yeah, I think I think Orn um, deserves a, a a rattle at it. It is it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, well, I say about the the results, etc. This last little while it has it's been it's been difficult. Uh no 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 doubt about it. The defeat against Balamina uh was a poor result for everybody and the manner of the goals that were conceded that afternoon and obviously Matthew Shevlin sending off didn't help matters. But Saturday past, uh, most recent game home to Cliftonville, Johnny, while Korean lost, I suppose you could argue, and the facts would speak for it as well, it, it was a much improved performance given that Korean had lost to Cliftonville 5-0 like five weeks ago. So, yes, albeit Korean lost again, no, no getting away from that, and I'm not here to... I'm not a, an apologist for Korean and, and the players, but it certainly was a better performance. And on another day, could have got something from the game in terms of points. Yeah, the, that was one that definitely got away. Um, I think, you know, when we spoke about it earlier and after. I think even if we'd have drawn that game, we probably would have been disappointed. So that just shows you everything. Yeah, that just tells you everything that you need to know. I don't remember Clippenville having a shot in the first half. I think Gorman had one maybe over the bar, and that was it. Um, I think they had three shots and scored twice. Um, so I think that was probably just the difference. They were more clinical in the box. Um, ben Wilson done nothing the whole game but put the ball in the back of the net, and that's and that's the difference. Um, and obviously I think Jim's subs really helped them as well. Obviously, um, Malin came on and set up for 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 Ashford to score as well. So you know, yeah, I think there's a doggedness with with Cliftonville too. They didn't play well and, and came out with three points and. You know, so ah, it's, a, it's a difficult one to take, uh, especially because we, we played so well. Um, totally different feeling, probably the Balmino one, because um, I don't think we were overly great that day. So, 
Um, but yeah, look as you said, it's it's no points on the board from 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 those six points. So um, we need to try and make them up um, elsewhere. Uh, but bigger picture, there were signs signs of encouragement or signs of improvement, signs of encouragement, uh, I suppose as well. And it's it's funny because you just find sometimes you feel sometimes you should say that the club are just the players, the team, just looking to get that. But a consistency involved, even consistency in selection would be good, you know, because every week it seems to be a different, maybe starting 11 or a bit of a difference in, in shape and, and formation. I think what you what the boys are looking for is a bit of consistency, get a, a positive result, maybe the same 11, same players in the same positions every week, just to get that little bit of sense of continuity there just seems to be at the moment it's uh, there's nothing fixed if you know what I mean from game to game and when you think you look back we, we, we've maybe talked about it in the podcast before whenever Korean were in their pump back in that year that they almost won the league uh, I think you've said it on previous occasions you know you could nearly have picked the starting 11 their positions you knew how they were going to play and that added a great deal to the, the, the results that Korean got there. And I just think there's that little bit of stop start at this minute in time with the team and a bit of consistency would, would go a long way to helping Johnny, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's again that's a that's a fair comment. I think um we've probably been unlucky with injuries, especially at the back. I think you know there's a time there we I don't think we had a fit center half, yet we had like seven on the books. Um <laughs> so I think, before I I could think of Four off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, and like that's a massive part of your team. That's the solidity of, of your team at the back. And then obviously if they chop and change, then the keeper is maybe not used to the same back two, I suppose. And then the fullbacks, you know, sometimes they've had to play as a third centre half. It's just been it has been difficult as well as that, you know, like nobody would have thought Chevy would be serving like a three match ban as well. Um so yeah, I just yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. like and I said it before and you alluded to it there maybe the last four or five years we've been able to probably name the starting eleven. This year's been probably a little bit more difficult. But listen, there's been niggling injuries, there's been suspensions and, and everything else. So I don't, you know, I think obviously that that can be used as, as an excuse. So yeah, it's just been it's just been more, probably more difficult for Oren because he probably wouldn't have anticipated so many injuries to his back four and, and things like that. So yeah, it's been it's been a tough one. I suppose on the bright side of that, <clears throat> if and when all these defenders come back again and the injuries are cleared up etc etc we could be praying for a, <laughs> a better a, and a more improved second half of the season if you like when when the business end of the season for one of a better word if you could have a full pack to choose from in the latter part of the season when it really matters then that could be a bonus couldn't it I know if I know this is a saying like if you if your granny had balls you'd be your granddad but if we'd have beat <laughs> Cliftonville on Saturday we'd only be three points behind them. I know that's hard to believe actually. And you know, and a lot has been clamoured on about them and how well they've been doing and how early with inverted commas that we've been doing. So, um, but yeah, that 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 would have been a massive six point swing if we'd have won on Saturday. Um, so we're going to have to try and make these points up. Um, we're still obviously in the League Cup as well and you've the Irish Cup after Christmas to go. So. Yeah, look, um, I agree with you. I, I just think, as I said, teams just 
like it's nearly we're nearly conceding two goals every game, and you, you just can't do that. But it's as simple as that at this level. So we just, we just, I would just love an ugly one nil one. I just, I would love a team to hit the post crossbar with five cleared off a line, and we go out and win one nil. I just, I think we just need a win like that. Uh, just the most like a Cliftonville one there on Saturday. Just play absolutely brutal, score a goal, and the team just can't score. And give a bit of confidence and yeah, scrappy one nil one. Just somewhere soon would be absolutely delightful. Uh, Seaview on Saturday would be a, a decent place to do that. Yeah, that's probably the toughest away day there in solitude. Um, so yeah, look, um, we had a decent record there for a while. Um, I think maybe the last time we beat them might have been in Sky. I could, I could totally be wrong. Usually I am an encyclopedia, as I said, at the start, but I can't really fully remember. But yeah, there's there's no reason why we can't go there. They, they play on the same surface as us. So, um, yeah, why not? Give it a rattle and, and see how we go on. Mm, <clears throat> maybe just a wee bit of luck, as you sort of alluded to there. Just, you know, a wee bit of luck wouldn't go amiss either. It just seems to be that not really getting much of a rub of the green at the minute and everything just seems to be just against them and they just can't seem to adjust get over the line in a game when it counts and as you say maybe it'll take a scrappy 1-0 win or something like maybe Saturday might be the case in point although having said that they're a notoriously difficult team to play against anyway and particularly at Seaview although did they draw last week? Did I see something? They drew, they drew at home they, um, they drew at home they got torn and Josh Robinson yeah. sent off and yeah I think as well for the players obviously the last time Crusaders came down to the showgrounds and they ran out four 0 winners and yes look it was one four 0 I thought was very harsh in Korean and I'm not just saying that um obviously it was one 0 down we just changed completely the whole shape of the team and they scored three goals within five minutes so uh, but Warren had to go for it there one 0 down what's the point of sitting back with with a one 0 defeat you might as well go for it so um I don't think it's a fully full reflection of the game um like the five 0 game against Clapperville was a full reflection of the second half um it could have been fifty five. Whereas, you know, that 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 Crusaders one I thought was, was harsh and Korean. So yeah, I always think Adam Leckie has a really good game against us. I think he just dictates everything. I think he sets up everything. And so I think if we can try and keep him quiet, um, that'd be a good starting point. Uh and team selection, <clears throat> would you expect it to be Korean team to be much along the same lines? Yeah, I would probably say so. You know, I think obviously with Chevy still suspended, so he gave Davy a go up front on Saturday. Whether or not he, he changes that or changes it out wide, I it's just it's hard to know. Um, I wouldn't anticipate anybody would be coming back from injury. I don't think Stevie O'Donnell or or anybody like that. So, um, yeah, look, um, that's obviously up for for Orn, um to to decide as well. So, but yeah, look, there's there's no reason why we why we can't go there and, and get a positive result and. It would be nice just to start taking a few more points off the other top six teams. It would be. And, and maybe it's one of those games where nobody does expect Korean to get anything. And sometimes that's when maybe Korean are at their best or the most dangerous when the sort of odds are against them, if you like. Yeah, I think everyone would, would probably agree with that. Obviously, just with how good um, Crusaders are at home and the last result against Korean and, and how Korean have sort of lost in their last couple of games. So. Yeah, um, but I would agree with that. But um, I don't think it'll be reading. I don't think Korean, I don't think the players or the management or anything will read too much into that. It's, it's another game, and they'll be looking to they keep that performance up from from Saturday and just try and be a wee bit more clinical. 
Yeah, um, just talking about players and, and up front and stuff. And the young fella, Kieran O'Hara, at the under-20s, doing very well by all accounts, scoring a lot of goals and fans, some fans clamouring for him to be sort of promoted to the first-team squad. You could probably argue a case for it, couldn't you? And maybe argue a case against it. Maybe he's, I think he's 17, perhaps he's too young, but... Certainly, if he keeps going the way he's doing, you know, he's got to come into contention at some point, hasn't he? He has been promoted to the first team in terms of training. I know he's definitely training with, with the first team. Um, I can't speak. I wasn't a footballer, but uh, I know everyone will say that the gap between 20s football and senior football yeah. is like night and day. So, you know, you bring him in and, and hang him out to dry, I, I just don't know. I think Corian are in that position where they can't probably afford to take that chance. If that makes sense, yeah. But there's definitely no reason why Kieran can't be involved in the first team squad. Um, even if you bring him off off the bench or play him in a cup game or, or bring him in, I think you know. I think if we're in the latter age, age, ends of the season, with maybe not as much to play for, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be involved. Um, so no, yeah, I think it's one. It's probably a situation that I'm probably a wee bit more relaxed with. Um, in terms of that, I think I, I do realize that there is a jump there. So. Um, but listen, um, the 20s are flying at the minute. I think there is eight or nine points clear at the top of that league. And they're a very young team as well. Uh, obviously, I'm close enough with Marty. So um, maybe Kieran scoring goals at that level, getting his confidence up and training with the first team might just be the best thing for him at the minute. And if he gets any first team minutes this season, it'll be a, it'll be a bonus for him. Mm, as you say, again, I haven't played at that sort of top level of football either. Uh, so I can't comment, but I do know that the step up from like a under twenties level to senior football, men's football, it is a big, big jump. And I think Marty and, and Orn and the, the rest of the, the coaching staff have a better handle on that than what we have or even supporters with the greatest of respect, you know. But maybe the old adage goes as well, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Who knows? Uh Johnny, it's like, what do you do? It's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of scenario, isn't it? Yeah, like like Oren could chuck Kieran in on Saturday and <laughs> away to away to Crusaders and up against you know two man mountains and Larmer and, and Billy Joe Burns or whatever and he doesn't get a kick and people are like oh he's too young and early and you know say we don't score a goal and he's like why not bring a boy up so yeah it is a damned if you do damned if you don't but um, I do know he has been training with the first team uh, along with the likes of Alfie and um, Senan so. The pathway is there, obviously, and I know Senan. Shout out to Senan, obviously, played for Northern Ireland a couple of games there. Um, and they drew with Italy and beat San Marino. So we played the two 90s in both. So I think they finished joint second in the group behind um, Italy and goal difference. Um, I know the elite, they, the 17s actually won their group last year and went into the elite section. So, But I think they're third, but they might go in as one of the best third team place, if that makes sense. So fingers crossed. Um, so but uh, big shout out, they, they send in and, and hopefully it keeps up the the, the, the the good word. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, that's, that's a great shout, Johnny, because, you know, it's it maybe gone onto the radar a, a little bit because it's, under 17s Northern Ireland, but you know, to to go away uh, over there in Italy and draw nil nil <laughs> with the Italian under 17 teams. I mean, with the greatest respect, there's not too many Northern Ireland teams who will go across to Italy and draw nil nil with Italy, is there? No, you think of probably them under um, Italian under 17 boys are probably all at big clubs like Roma and Juventus and the Milan's and. 
he's young selling there, battling at Corey Ian. So, but yeah, no, look, I think um, just shows the good work that's been done. And I was told mm. that Waterworth, Andy Waterworth's a very, very good coach. So, um, yeah, look, I think I, I know of selling and I know speaking to Martin guys like that, he's very level headed young boy. And obviously, he done really, really well at the Super Cup. So, um, no, listen, it, it's, it shows that the, the pathway is definitely there. No matter who you play for, that you can play for your company. So, yeah, fingers crossed that they might sneak through um, into the league qualifying because I think if you draw away that lay and I think it's maybe Greece won that group. I, I can't remember it was the other team, um, but anyway. So, but fingers crossed they, they can go in as as, as the bit one of the best third places teams because I think they only finished behind Italy in second by a goal. So it'd be very very harsh they they go out in in that in that regard. Yeah, and, and if it keeps going on the, the same tra- trajectory as it is now, Senan he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think hasn't he? He does, and I think I think he he's been playing a wee bit left back centre midfield when he's played for the first team, and mm-hmm. same as he maybe more right wide. So, um, yeah, obviously it comes with experience. We'll, we'll obviously see where his best position is, and look if you're captain in a super cup winning super cup and I winning team for your county and playing for Northern Ireland under seventeens and training with Corey in first team and stuff. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. So. Um, <laughs> hopefully, 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 I become a football agent sometime soon and I'm snapping. Yeah, Mike, 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 no substitute for hard work, as I say. Just looking, we're talking about the under twenties and, and Marty's Marty Smith's under twenties. That is, and I see that they had a, a good six 0 win against Balamina United on Wednesday night. I think it was. Yeah, and, um, obviously the team sheet came through, and I seen five or six of the first teamers were down. So I think Orange Jarvis played, and Jack O'Mahony, and Lee Hartman, Mitch, and um, uh, Mickey McCrudden. So. Obviously, good to get all them guys game time as well and be a bit of confidence. And I know Mitch and Mickey both scored. So, yeah, look, um, the 20s are going well. Um, I think as well as that, the 20s players will learn a lot from all them guys coming down too. And, you know, Mickey McCrudden's been there for years and done it the same way, Mitch. Um, so, if you're playing along with guys like that, um, that can that can only help the young boys um, develop as well. And I know Marty takes no, no I don't need to say the next word from, from you know, from anybody. <laughs> No nonsense, uh, yeah, that's a good word. Um, so like if a first team was really come down and not show the right attitude, I don't think they would be. I don't think they'd play, and it's as simple as that. So, um, but yeah, no, I think the first team was obviously came down and you know they set a good example and, and some stuff like that. So, no, yeah, they are <laughs> fine. They're going well. Um, uh, but I, I, I'm nearly certain they're a very very young team. So, um, fingers crossed that they can they can keep moving. Mm. Yeah, good to see Mitch Andrew Mitchell Hattrick and Michael McCrudden too. Just. Excuse me, just the kind of confidence boost that the pair of them need before Seaview on Saturday. Yeah, confidence boosting probably game time and strikes the legs and, and get a few minutes under the belt. So, um, listen, that's probably it would have probably I don't know, I would doubt they'll train the morning night, so it'll be a probably in that it was maybe maybe a more of a training session type boost your minutes rather than rather than simply playing playing training or going to training. So yeah, look, I think um yeah, look, they got their goals and they got their one, and hopefully everyone's un- unscathed. Yeah, good job, good job. So Saturday, Seaview it is. Uh, hard to know, Seaview up there, never a classic. But I see you put out something earlier in the week about, you know, obviously the 100th podcast and you were sort of looking for supporters' ideas of their, their top 10 best Korean games and interested. I think you, you, you scribbled down your own, didn't you, John? I mean... 
Well, what would be your <clears throat> right? We'll say, well, we'll start number 10, go with number 10 first, then okay. There's a fella, I would just like, Anthony said that his was the Irish Cup final in 2018, fair enough, um, from Darren McCauley's goal, the chip from Skinner, so, yeah, we'll come back to that one. Um, a fan has said about the Irish Cup final in 1977, because he was 15, uh, he went up the train on his own, and he says Desi Dixon, he says he can still see Desi Dixon rolling his murder day. They make the scoreline 2-1 to Corey Ian. I think in comments as well, there's been the League Cup semi-final against Cliftonville last year, um, so obviously somebody's brain um went back very very quickly. But I think the manner of the win and stuff like that, I can I can I can but, see me and the, the scenes and all after the full time whistle. Uh, that was big. That was William Montgomery. I know he's a he's a big Korean fan. So um, Stephen Morton, the Portadown famous comeback. Um, there's been a few about the Korean Lauren Irish Cup quarterfinals. So yeah, no, my number ten is Korean one. Or Crusaders won Korean one on Easter Tuesday, the one where Jamie McGonagall scored a penalty. I think it was just the crowd. Obviously, with the last minute soccer punch by Cushley, I always seemed to score against this, but just the crowd, like, and it was just the nerves. And if there, I would love to know how many nails were bitten that night by all the Korean fans, probably Crusaders fans too, let's be honest. But that advert for Irish League football was brilliant, and I can still remember how nervous I was. and when Jamie scored a penalty, I was like, oh my God, Isaac. That was the first time I thought we could actually go and win the league here. So, um, yeah, that was my that was my number 10. Very good. Very good. That was, that was, that was a mad game. Yeah. But that was, as you say, it was just the whole sense of anticipation that evening. And it was just, I remember, I think it was a cold, crisp enough Tuesday uh, evening. Yeah. And the place was packed. The, the far away supporters was absolutely rammed. The sense of anticipation, ultimately, slightly disappointed. I suppose drawing one one whenever we were in such a good position to win the game. And looking back on it, probably looking back, you think if I had took three points there, possibly that would have been the the winning of the league that particular year. It just wasn't to be. But what a what a what a game that was! What a night! Yeah, good advert for Ferris League. Um, what was your number ten, Damien? Well, I no, I have to say I had a scribble list out quickly this morning, so I'm going to say, but whenever I come back to it, I'll probably think, oh, there's other games there. Anyway, uh, the Europa, the, the European game against Motherwell, was it Motherwell? Motherwell, yeah, yeah, good game, obviously. Between all the yeah, and... I just thought, you know, taking on a a top Scottish team and really giving giving them their fill of it and. Agonizingly close to getting through on yeah. that particular occasion. I mean, fine margins, but when you played it in the context of your part time Irish League club taking on a fully fledged professional full time club in England or sorry, in Scotland and Motherwell, top six SPL side going toe to toe with them and on another night would have got through. I think they would be the first to admit that they were so fortunate to get over the line that night. And I just felt great, great night and a great performance from a, a part-time team. Yeah, 100%. And look, we were two all down as well, nearly certain. And Skinner wrestled, Skinner got wrestled, we were a boy, got him sent off, and then I think he died for another penalty or something. So, <laughs> uh, but obviously Ben's, you know, took balls, they scored the two penalties. And 
and yeah, an extra time, how we did not score the winner an extra time. It was one of the ones where you just knew if we didn't score an extra time, we'd probably lose in penalties. It's just what I was just I had that feeling of it. And obviously, look, with Trevor Carson, who's an unbelievable penalty kick saver. And because funny, Rangers had a penalty against Dundee the other night, and I was expecting Trevor Carson to save it, so it was, but he, he didn't. Um, but um, yeah, no, that was a good shot. My number nine is the League Cup final against Crusaders. Um, the one that we won. Obviously, I know that's quite low for I think ninth because considering we won a trophy, but it just wasn't a great game. I just like listen. You would rather play bad and win. You would rather a crap game and win. Um, but compared to everyone else, I just I it was it probably should be higher. Let's be honest, because it's a trophy. But drive um, <laughs> at ninth, I think. Um, obviously. Being coming from behind and everyone else in the atmosphere was good that night, and you won a trophy, and the party was good. So I put that as number nine. Very good. I think my number nine, I sort of wrote down um, any game from the Kenny Shields era. <laughs> <laughs> I really see. Now, uh, this is where our generations no, come from. I know, I know, I know, I know. I remember there was some great game. I remember I'll, I'll pick one. I think it was Boxing Day, actually. Way back in the mists of time, and the snow was on the pitch. And older listeners will remember this clearly as well. That the snow was on the pitch, and an army of like volunteers and supporters came on to the pitch in the morning and cleared off the snow with the shovels and all the rest of it, and cleared the pitch. And then they played with an orange ball. And I think it was Carrick Rangers, and maybe one six nil. But people, I'm sure, will remind me and and correct me if I'm wrong. But it just stands out in your memory for for some strange reason, you know, just the different ones. But there was a lot of games in that, as I said, that Kenny Shields era, there were some brilliant games. I mean, obviously, they were relegated at that time and, and they played in the first division. And, and that Boxing Day game I'm talking about, I think, actually was in the first division. Um, but those were great games. I mean... Kenny had a great side that played some brilliant football, scored goals for fun. Sammy Shields was like, you know, he was like a prime Alan Shearer, I think, at that stage. He was hat-tricks galore. Um, but no, th- th- those were good times. And then um, the Kenny Shields era as well. I remember a game, I think, again, my memory's not great. People will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's when things weren't going so well for Kenny and he was under pressure from the fans. And I think it was that was it Bally Clare maybe or something? And there was like a fans protest and there was fans on top of the dugout. <laughs> just, some of the stuff that went on was just weird and just crazy. Mad days and things have changed an awful lot. Johnny, as we said, with the characters and stuff and the whole nature of the thing has changed as well. But yeah, games from then and, and, I, and I was probably starting out in the game as well then in, in terms of the journalism and Good memories, good memories. So that would be my number nine there, I think. Uh, I'll put eight and seven together. So my eight is six nil away to Glenthorne. Um, everything just seemed to go in that day. And number seven was the five three Irish Cup quarterfinal away to Larne. That night was absolutely. We must have been beat. We looked beat about four times in that match, and then Jamie McGonagall just produces magic, and they come out five three and. I think that was the second of the trilogy of Irish Cup games we played against Lauren. Obviously, the next one I was in, I was in, I was away in New York, so I couldn't put that one in. So, um, those two that's meant so six nil. Obviously, like I think Patterson and Boise and Carsey all scored, but everything that day just seemed to fly into the back of the net, and obviously the riots and all after the match, their fans weren't too happy. Things like that. <laughs> that's my eight and seven. Well, I have 
somebody mentioned it on 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 your replies. The Porter Down comeback or the Korean comeback at Porter Down the four three, but the I'll, 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 I had number seven the Larn Korean Cup game. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you're talking about number seven, and you mentioned the Glens and Korean six. Yeah, two thousand and nine. I had that as number four. Um, I I remember that game. We'll talk about the Glen Torn game at the Oval first that day, and I remember standing. I wasn't working in the press box that day. I was out, I was just standing out in the the terrace behind the goal, and Patterson scored his first goal, and it was great. Oh, great finish! Blah blah blah. And then the just the goals just kept coming, and there was a sense of not believing what was happening yeah. in front of your eyes. It was a total disbelief and that's not just for me that was from everybody that was standing around me all the Korean supporters were just like going what's going on here are, are we actually is this happening you know you don't go to Glentorn or Linfield and win 6-0 with the quality of strikes and goals that, that Korea did that day and it was a pinch me moment one of those games where you just had to be there you know what I mean it was like it's okay sitting at home but it was like I was there moment whenever your team goes and beats a, a so-called big two team 6-0 on their own patch. And as you said as well, I remember coming out after the game and the, the, the car park protest. And, and nobody does a car park protest like the Torn fans, by the way. So <laughs> they were all congregated out the front of the director's box at the Oval waiting for um, management to come out and, and, and God rest them. It was, uh, you know... Like Al McDonald was the manager at the time, God bless him. And tough time, but what a game. Um, and I'm sure your memories of that game are something similar, Joy. I just everything just everything went in, Damien. That's literally it. Just the goals, the calibre of the goals and, and everyone else. And it was just a just probably summed up that season. We had a bit of everything, still finished seventh. So um my five and six, I've picked in Limfield here, but uh I make no apologies for that. So number six I was toying between the two where they put them. Um, but number six is Jamie McGonagall's goal against Lumfield, which didn't cross the line. If there's a way to beat Lumfield, it's that. And I forgot about that. Number five is the 3 2 game against Lumfield and Sky when Stephen Murray scored the last minute winner. So, yeah, both of them games, totally different. Probably same sort of outcome in terms of nearly last minute goals. The one against um, Jamie McGonagall's one, just because Diff it didn't or did cross the line. <laughs> Who cares? I no, no, between our between ourselves, we're in a Korean podcast. What do you think? It didn't look in, which made it even better. The fact that I didn't <laughs> think it went in makes it even sweeter. Uh, I hope it didn't ever cross the line. I hope they find out that it never crossed the line. <laughs> um, and the three two one against Lumfield, I say this story to everybody. Um, so I was, I was, I wouldn't have been as slim back then as I was, as I wasn't, as I am now. So. I remember Stephen Larry scored a goal. And I remember I jumped up behind the net where the you know where the bar is, you know, to celebrate, you know, on top of this top of the wall. Yes. I went up and I went up too quick and tore the absolute jogging bottoms completely, <laughs> completely at the behind. So um, I always remember that match for that. And and Corian played so well that day, and then looked like absolutely drawing the game and throwing it away. <laughs> so it was in Sky as well. It was a good crowd. I think it was like a Monday night game. So. Yes, that was. I think that was the early days of Sky. Funny, I have that uh, particular game in sixth. That was my number six. Um, 
I think it was just the drama of. I mean, again, it was a packed out showgrounds that night. Yeah. I think it was probably maybe in the early days of, of Sky's coverage as well, and there was the whole novelty of of your team being on Sky on that particular night. The fact it was Linfield at the showground place was absolutely packed. Night game always brings out the best and and Korean supporters and under the lights, etc. And as you say, I think it was finally put, and then Stephen Lowry popped up with it, the winner. And even now, you watch that goal, and what a goal that was! Yeah, it was what a, great, a goal! I think Snowy plays the ball up, and it's just Stephen Lowry's first touch just kills touch. the ball, just kills the ball, just kills everyone dead, and it just makes him just all he has to do is literally just put it in. And yeah, the touch, the great ball by Snowy, I have to give him that, but it's just it's the touch. It's the first touch. Just it, it was the touch and the finish and in yeah. front of the at the pack really end. It just it just made that goal complete, didn't it? Yeah, and I think Boise and Curtis Allen scored that night as well. So no, that was no, that was that was a great night. And I think that was under Owen's management as well. So no, that was no, that was one that you will never forget. Long time ago now, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was, and sometimes I see it up. I think the match, I still think you can see the match on YouTube. I'm nearly certain you can. And Yeah, that's some of the players, for probably from both teams, you're like, oh, that's right, he played for him, and he played for us, so. Yes. Uh, no, that was, no, that match was, was one day, definitely one day, I remember. Very good. And the, the League Cup final one that you had mentioned as well, or I have that in fifth place. The Crusaders Simply team. because it's... Yeah. Part I Crusaders simply because it's it's a final and you win and it's a trophy and for no other reason than that. Yeah, fair enough. My four, I've got two written down, so I've got two four and a halves because I've got, the other three were never for moving. So the League Cup semi final against Liverpool last year is up there, but I'm going to replace it with Dundalk three two away in the Santana Cup. Um, because our back four that night was the most makeshift back four you'll ever see. It was like some Fergie would have done. Um, back in the day, I think it was like Joe McNeil played at left back, and Tossie, I think, was a center half. And um, I think David McDade got two that night, and Rory Harkin scored, and and down there as well. And they might, um, they might not have been the most friendliest club we've ever visited as well, if I remember rightly. So, um, Aye, that trip was amazing. That was some that was some away day to be honest, leaving about three or four in the afternoon and having a having a few drinks and stuff like that. So no, that day was that one was a good one and um aye, just a pity they beat us two 0 at Showgrounds. I think it was a last minute goal as well. And look, I know people would have one 0 away to Shamrock Rovers as well in the Tampa Cup down. I wasn't there that night. So I, hey, I whenever you mentioned that the dog I had forgot about the Shamrock Rover until you mentioned it. Yeah, and I was there, and that was that was some achievement. That was some game as well. Yeah, David, uh, David, David, David Scullion was the winner that night, I think, if my memory serves me right. Yeah. So yeah, them like you know fans will fans could have totally different you know top tens they us and you know, there's no Balmina games in my list, believe it or not, considering we beat them four or five all the way from home a few times. So, uh-huh. um, but no, that's my number four. My number three. Because we've already mentioned the game was away the quarter down game, the first mm. day. Um, I'll never forget that game till I die. Um, just because just we were absolutely abysmal for seventy minutes. Like we were absolutely terrible. Um, we wouldn't have won the Ballard Sheen Cup that night. The way we were playing <laughs> the first seventy minutes, and then, uh, Boise scored and Curtis Allen scored. I think Snowy scored, and then Mark Gillen scored, and we won. That's right. And won top of the league. I'm nearly certain that night. So, um, yeah, no, that one, that one was. That one was he, uh, he scored the winner that night, Mark. Very good. I you you mentioned like 
of Satanic Cup as well. And the Shamrock Rovers was a good one. And was it Daily Mount Park Bohemians as well? I forgot about that one. Yeah. That was a that was a really good Korean performance that night as well. Again against a top top quality side down south. And Korean went down there <clears throat> and put on a real professional performance. Proper, proper, proper team performance. But anyway, I forgot about that. So uh, my number three, my third one, um, crazy to have it down there. But anyway, um, Spurs, 1982. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. Damien, I wasn't even thought about back then. Uh, what, what, a, what, a, what an occasion. What a game. What a day. Uh, unbelievable. And the thing is, and the problem is, that those kind of games won't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that's 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 the really sad thing about it. I mean, you think about it, that Spurs team at that time, you had, you know, Glenn Hoddle, Mabba, Garth Crooks, Archibald, Galvin, Tony Galvin, household names, you know, FA Cup winners this, this season, that season previously, um, coming here. And I remember they stayed, for those who remember, the Edgewater Hotel in Port Stewart, they stayed there. Uh, for the couple of days that they were here, <clears throat> they had the training, and people were able to go and meet them at training. I remember some of the boys from school. I was at school at the time, um, and the strange thing was that the the game, the home game at the, at the showgrounds, had to be played in the afternoon because of the, no floodlights back then. So of course, then we all had to take the afternoon off school, and I remember juking off school, and I was going up to my mate's house, and I was riding my bike. Uh, bicycle, not motorbike, up Station Road in Port Stewart. And because I was in a hurry to get to the, 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 the match, I had my racing bike and I was my head down and I was, was flying up Station Road. I heard this bang. Didn't realize. Hit the back of a parked car, over the top of a parked car, landed on the other side of the car. Two old ladies in the car scared the absolute bejesus. And they thought it was a bomb because it just like this bang and hit cut a long story short I ended up the other side of the car but busted face up a bit um had to go back to the house poor sure my neighbor gave me a lift up to the match landed up there sort of a bit later than the rest of the boys I was going with landed in my face all badly cut up and they were all like what happened to you and I had to come up with a story that some Spurs fans had jumped me because I was at a bar saying to say that I crashed into a parked car with my bike so anyway but what a game. And I, you, you talk about a packed showgrounds. I mean, the biggest probably ever crowd that was at the showgrounds and to see one of the best teams in European football at that particular time. So what an occasion, what a game. And as you say, you probably weren't there. Obviously, you weren't there, but I'm sure your, your dad and that would have been there as well. And I'm sure you've heard all about it. Yeah, my dad always speaks about that game and I have the programme in my house somewhere as well. So, um, yeah, like the first thing you mentioned that those type of games will never happen again, obviously with the draws and the seeding now and, and everything else. So, which is quite sad, I suppose, um, as well. And testimonial games, like, like getting testimonial games against big teams now, you never really, really happens either. So, no, that's definitely one day. That's definitely one day I remember. And yeah, like my. My one and two, I'm going to say the League Cup semi-final against Liverpool was the one that Johnny Black scored, by the way, not the last year's one. Um, but my number two is the Irish Cup final against Liverpool. Um, again, like the Glens one might be one of your top twos, but I think, I don't. I was about eight or nine, but the one against Liverpool, we should have won the league. So they won the Irish Cup against Liverpool and they won 3-1 and the manner of the whole day and Skinner's chip and Darren McCauley's goal and 
Adam Mullins tackle. I can probably name. I can probably remember the whole game, and just the relief. Probably more than it was more. Uh, that's what it was. There was no. It wasn't even an out joy of. It, it's weird because it was it wasn't the first time. Probably wasn't joy. It was more relief because that team deserved to win something. Um. So yeah, and they end the 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 the. the the long wait for a trophy as well and things like that and the party that night was I knew the, the year we lost against Linfield the party back at the showgrounds was good but that time that party was I still have a hangover thinking about it so um, but no that was that was up that's that's my number two interesting right my number two <clears throat> is the 2003 Irish Cup yeah. final yeah Um, <clears throat> again similar to what you're saying it was like End of a drought in terms of winning trophies for Korea, and it had been a long time since they'd won something prior to 2003. And again, what a day! Um, I remember those days there was no like social media or then, there was no like mobile phones, and there was no internet, Twitter, Facebook, even in a working capacity. You know, there wasn't the same pressure on you to sort of put out stuff as games were going on. I worked in the paper. Your paper wasn't out to Tuesday, so we had a bit of leeway. And because of that, we had organised and we got a bus from, I think it was in the Times at the time. And we all got a big bus and we left and hit the drink early on and on the way up. And, you know, total professional, like, you know what I mean? And um, we got off, obviously, at Belfast. And rather than going to the press box, I, we had tickets for the cop you know, the rest of the fans, so we dandered down there. Paul Nash, photographer at the Times at the time, he was on the bus with us as well. He rolled off the bus at Windsor, half steaming, camera bag, cameras and all with him, off to do his work, and what a job he did. Brilliant photos all day. So, what a day. Um, Again, it was just great to see, and, and that team... You had the likes of Gaggy and Stuart Clanahan and all that. And, and that team deserved to win something as well. They were a great team. Tony Gorman, Basher, Stephen Beatty, DVO, boys like that, Tolan, Judy Tolan and stuff. And Marty, of course, it was a great victory for him and, and his manager. And, and, and Harry Gregg was part of the background team that day as well. And just a great day all around. And the celebrations afterwards were brilliant as well. So, yeah, that's my number two. Yeah, I was there that day. But again, I think it was about nine. I remember the goal going on. Um, I think that might have been. I remember the goal going in. I remember Tim McCann hitting the crossbar about forty-four times. Mm. I remember the full-time whistle, and I remember seeing grown men crying for the first time at football match, thinking, "What the hell is going on?" And as ball boy the year after, when we got beat one 0 mm. uh, Michael Halliday scored. I remember that. I remember Gaggy missing one at the end, and I remember the Glentoran fans stabbing each other. It's just mm. stuff you're right. in that age. But anyway, uh, my number one's Maribor. I've said it before. That'll never be beaten ever, ever. Unless Corey won the league, I I even think if Corey won the league, I I I can't explain it. I just mm. he was the only one that can explain what we. It was like we got a penalties, we won the penalty, and like it was it was like one of the things like did I just see that like uh, like are we alive? That's what we like. Did we <laughs> did we dream that last night? Did we go to bed that last night? Dream it and then. You know, we haven't woke up yet. Um, just the whole performance, just the fact there was no fans in there, and then some of our fans sneaked in for the penalties, and we still beat them on penalties. And I love they had Ben Dockery's heart rate monitor whenever he hit that one on penalty, and everyone else. So, no, nah, yeah, that's my number one. And 
I think, yes, obviously playing Kilmarnock and beating them over two legs is a big achievement, but I think just how football has progressed now, and I think that's probably Corey's best ever result. And to be a lucky one of few many few people to be there, I think that's that's my definitely going to be my number one. Uh, <clears throat> that probably makes it extra special, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like when you, you talk about that, I've forgotten as well about the European games that I'd sort of covered um, with Corian as well. And one that stands out was playing over in, in Gothenburg in Sweden in the Levy Stadium. And that was like one of the venues for the 1958 World Cup in Sweden as well. And Marty Quinn was manager at the time and we went across there. And just crazy. I mean, massive stadium. And you had a little pocket of Korean fans, about 15, 20 of them higher up in the gods, you know, and just, just there is something special about going on, a, on, a, on an away European trip with your club as well, I think. Um, it was good and, and they played really, really well. But the fact that it was a World Cup stadium and I think actually Northern Ireland had played in the Levy Stadium. In 58, like Harry Gregg and, and Bertie Peacock and all were involved as well. So there was a sense of symmetry or continuity with, with that sort of that era as well, you know, and I just I forgot all about that. And we, we, we stayed over in a, a boat hotel as well, which was quite a novelty <laughs> in the middle of Gothenburg. But anyway, uh, we forgot about that. My number one, to, to, to cut a long story short, is 2018 Cup Final. Yeah. Just because, because I mean... What a day, what a night, what a celebration. As you said earlier, that team deserved to win something. That was too good a team not to win something. Um, <clears throat> and it would have been a disservice of the highest order if that team had lost that cup final. And I think, do you know what? It was a great day and it was a great win. and it was. A good... But I think it was just topped off by the manner of the way that it finished. Yeah. That just... Yeah, yeah. yeah, you couldn't Skinner's, Skinner's goal and Orn and all the management running down to the corner in the knowledge that the game was over. You don't get that opportunity very often in a game of football, and especially in a cup final, just to know that that is it. And the outpouring of emotion from the players, the management, the supporters on that occasion, on that day, and then again at night. You mentioned they're coming back to the showgrounds as well. I mean, those memories will live long and in memory of anybody that was fortunate to be there that night. Just the yeah. sense of unity and togetherness and everything else. Was. That's that's my number one. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And just to touch on that, I think just how, and you, I probably only thought about there now and just in terms of goal and everyone coming together. And yeah, you couldn't write that, to be fair. And after the season we had, and I'm sure the heartache and this night and winning the league, you know, I think, yeah, I, I haven't thought about that until now, just the celebrations and. Obviously, what that meant to everybody. So, no, oh, yeah, I think that's. I think, yeah, I think it, there's all the credible games that have just came into my head there. Mm. Then, like, Lauren Take Old Boys and looking like <laughs> the Irish Cup. Um, what other games have come into my head? Um, we played, I think we beat Balmain. was at 5 0 or 5 1 away from home. I think Leon Knight scored about three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, David Scullion, I think, chipped the keeper. There's. Even that youth league last year, this time last year we were in Belgium watching them, but the Pobeda game away in Macedonia and seeing them young boys go through and around in Europe being the first team from Northern Ireland, not only to play in it, but they actually go through around. And so that's up there too. And so, yeah, and obviously playing in the likes of Bosnia and coming in. I think it was Bosnia, was it that one? The one we were on the bus 
I've never been more intimidating, even though I've been in the safety of a bus going in the ground, just these boys looking at you and the survey as well. So no, like there's loads of games coming to my head. Um, but um that's why you that's why you love it at the end of the day, and that's why you always go back and you always crave more of them sort of memories and <clears throat> so yeah, I think it's all about it's all about memories, isn't it? <clears throat> and and players sometimes will tell you and talk about it and they'll say that when they're finished the career, it's not really even about the medals. It's just about the memories and the friendships and stuff. And that a memory just came into my head again, the European trip to the one in Sweden. And, you know, before the day before the night before the actual game, the team goes to get a, a walkabout or a runabout on the, on the pitch that they're going to play. And we were all in the big coach picked up from the hotel, brought to the, the stadium, the Levy stadium. And that was fine. So the players were away getting changed and all the rest. And the next thing, you know, one of the officials from uh, Ogrut, the, the team that we were playing, come over and he says, you know, uh, welcome them, introduced himself. And he goes, oh, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you know, where are your directors? You know, your your chairman and directors. <laughs> and we were standing on the side of the pitch and we just pointed out to one of the goalmouths and went, they'll say I'm there. <laughs> They were all out having a kickabout in their suits and all in the fucking goal in the middle of this massive stadium. And the guy from the Ugrit, the team that we were playing, just kind of looked at us and went, seriously? And we were like, yep. <laughs> it's just like, they were like a bunch of kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, just some of the memories, absolutely priceless. So, but it's interesting, like, whenever you talk about it, there's more and more comes into your head, isn't there? And that's, that's the beauty about it. Yeah, like I remember an Arn, me and Arn always say this story all the time, but we were going to we were going to Maribor. And uh we had beat that that fire eater in the previous round, remember one 0 at Sugarin? That's right, yeah, yeah. And James McLaughlin scored a winner. That was okay. Yeah. So we were in the, we were in the flight on the way over and Arn Trainer was beside us and anyone who's ever spoken to Arn Trainer knows who that man is he's a character. And he goes to he goes to me and Arn. He goes, "If you your work, if you prep them for the match and stuff." Like, oh, I, I don't worry. I stuff to say, Arn, I be dead on that morning. He goes, "Just remember, and I and this and I, I, <laughs> I mean, he was being properly serious. So he set up James McLaughlin's goal against Lafayette, right? And I swear, and I'm not joking, right? If I had a video evidence of this, he goes to us stone faced. Just remember, I am the leading assist maker in Europa League." Right, but how he said that, right? He, he, he was being serious. He was being. He goes, remember, I'm the joint top assist maker in Europa League, <laughs> and me and Arne just looked at each other. But it was just how he, he was being dead serious, and just how serious he was. It was that was so funny. Uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Like things you got always stick in your mind. Listen, we're gonna have to draw the close here, um, because times against us. Uh, great memories. Anybody listening to the podcast has their own ideas of their own favorite matches or Korean matches. Don't don't uh, hesitate to fire on something on Facebook uh, onto the Korean thing. I think Johnny has already started something there. So anybody has a, a particular memory or, or a particular favorite game that springs to mind on the back of this conversation that we've had this morning, feel free to, to do it. And I'm sure it'll stimulate much more debate. So Johnny, I hope and pray that Saturday will be a game that we'll talk about long after the, the final whistle has gone and maybe in time become a classic. Korean maybe winning, I don't know, 4-3, 5-3, something like that on Saturday would be would be quite something, wouldn't it? Yeah, just just uh, 
just a win or pick up points would be, would be great. And, That's um, it. Just a, a just a run of the mill one nil win. We'll take that, Damien. We'll take that. We'll we will take that. Listen, as ever, thank you very much for your time, Johnny. Um, that's our hundredth podcast. We're on to the next hundred now, Johnny. That's we'll be next on to one hundred one room one hundred one. It'll be. Yeah, that's um, that's 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 a scary thought, Damien. Isn't it? It is a scary, scary thought. We'll, we'll try and get Michael and Neil for you next week or the week's coming up. So we'll get have a chat with him at some point. So. As ever, thank you, Johnny, for your time. Thank you, everybody, who listens to the podcast. Thank you always for your feedback. Always much appreciated. And again, thank you once again to the Lodge Hotel. And don't forget, Coffee Bar open every morning for a pleasant place to go have a coffee and a, a, a chat, catch up with your mates, or do a bit of business, whatever it is. So until next week, come on, the Bandsiders. Good luck on Saturday, and we'll speak again next week. Bye for now.